Welcome to the Super 70 Podcast, episode 34.5, Gojira and Trauma. Well, folks, with a month to go before the end of the year... Godzilla Minus One has racked in an astounding $72 million at the box office, scoring an 8.4 on IMDb, and an out-of-this-world 98% score on Rotten Tomatoes from both the critics and the audience. I sat down the day after I saw this with my son Luke, and we talked through the shock and surprise at the carefully crafted, well-meaning drama that was Godzilla Minus One. What does it mean to be the largest Japanese box office champion in American history? And where does Godzilla go from here? Well, I don't know if it shocked anybody, but it came in number one last weekend. And it already. Box office? Yeah. Like global or. In America. In America? Number yeah. one? Number one. Oh, that's impressive. And it also, it cleared $100 million. Oh, that's good. In seven days. That's a that's a crazy return. And it is currently the highest earning Japanese film released in domestic United States ever. That's that's pretty impressive. It is. Considering, considering the films that have come out of Japan. You know, like The Seven Samurai. Of course, a lot of those didn't get popular releases, of course. They're art house films or, you know, what have you. But it's, it's not like the Japanese have been slacking for 80 years. They've yeah. been they've been pulling their weight too. Yeah, they got some good films over there. Yeah, especially since post war. But I was I was really quite. I knew that it was a period piece. I knew that it was going to take place like in the time of the original Godzilla, which I think was 1954 or 1952. If I, I'd have to go back and check, but it was in the 50s. So I thought that's where it was going back. But I was kind of surprised to find out that in the opening shot that it was actually taking place like even before the war was over. So it focuses on, on the beginnings of modern Japan in the second world war where you, what was your impression of that entire storyline? Well, I didn't know anything walking in. All I knew that it was about was, I thought it was just another Godzilla movie from Japan. That's all I, all I knew was that it was separate from like the monster verse that, uh, whatever company is trying to, to do that. I don't really like those movies, so I was completely down to watch a Godzilla movie from Japan. What movies are you referring to? Other uh, kaiju movies? No, the 
you know the the Godzilla MonsterVerse or whatever, the one with King Kong and Godzilla, like that started in like 2014, and then King of Monsters and all that. I mean, the, the entire enough for me. The entire kaiju idea, I suppose. So the so you didn't did you see King Kong by Peter Jackson? The started. one with Jack Black. Yes, I saw it a long time ago. I don't remember much of it though. Okay, I I, I took a hard pass. Like I I really enjoy the original King Kong. The the running time is really wasn't that helpful. made in two thousand five. No, the original King Kong was nineteen thirty. No, not, not the Peter oh. Jackson one. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first thing that he made after, after Lord, the, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Yeah, it was very strange, but uh, you know nobody could tell him no. That's true. It was kind of like after The Exorcist, William Friedkin has this hysterical story, and then they said they. They gave you money for Sorcerer, and he said, uh, at that point, they would have given me money for my nephew's bar mitzvah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like like Cameron after Titanic. Right, yeah, it's a blank check they give you. So That's all I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the time period. I assumed that it was going to be um, like the originals, kind of. I've only, I've only seen one or two of like the OG Japanese ones, and I remember I liked them. But that's what I thought the style was going to be like. Well, I remember forcing you and your sister to sit down and watch the first one. I don't remember her yeah. seeing it. I'm sure she hated it. Uh, no, she she actually liked it. She found it very... Really? Yeah, she found it very entertaining. And we did the same thing with The Blob. The Blob was the one that she was like... Yeah, The Blob was awesome. I don't know what she's hating on. The Blob <laughs> no, she, was so dope. She hated The Blob. Yeah. But but the original Godzilla's got a... I've got it on Criterion. It's up there somewhere. It's it's actually got a really good run time. It's not too long. I remember it was really good. I really liked it. Yeah. And now the the last one we saw, uh, which was basically it was fighting against Motu. Oh, that was like almost three hours. Yeah. Th- yeah. That was that was kind of a snooze fest. I'm not going to lie. Well, the one with Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown. Yeah. Where they, they just decided to put Millie Bobby Brown in it. Just, oh, yeah. Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. The secret $100 billion project that nobody found out about beneath the mountain. And then it just comes out and just, it was, I don't, it kind of lost me halfway through. I, I like the Motu idea. I just, it just seemed like the humans were secondary characters to it. They are secondary. I'm here for monsters. Well, I don't care about humans. They I have no one fighting. Well, I didn't see that anything was going to happen in, in that particular one. I didn't see anything that was going to happen that involved where the humans had a say. You know, it was Godzilla versus Motu. And then that was it. There was, no, there's was not going to be any. kind of. Well, Kong was in it. Kong was in it too. Yeah, the gods and Mo- that, king of monsters or whatever. Well, I never saw that one. You saw that one. Oh no, Kong is in it. He's like, I, well, I know it was like marketed as like Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, and everyone was talking about, oh, Godzilla will stomp Kong. Well, that's not at all what happened because there's no way they're gonna have someone lose in a movie. They're always gonna have like a thir- like a tertiary villain show up, and that's where they're gonna fight. And that was Mechagodzilla. Right. Well, that's the that's the Fast Five problem, right? Like who? Don't the slander Fast Five. Vin all right. Diesel Don't or, slander Fast Five. Or uh, The Rock. No, Who's neither of them are. Fight? No, I don't want to hear it. Those movies are amazing. I'll fight to the death for each one of them. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to go over those movies on another podcast. Yeah, we're gonna have to rewatch all of them. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe film by film. I'm so down. You don't know how down I am to to do that. I love those movies. Well, the first one has a rewatchables on it. It's actually a really good episode. And Fast Five. And Fast Five, yeah. yeah. And, those, and I think those Seven, ep- too. Those episodes are actually better than the films. Too Fast, Too Furious is a gem. <laughs> I love that movie. But anyway. I like Paul Walker and his vans. Anyway, back to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the one with Motu and Millie Bobby Brown was kind of, I, I just thought that she was a star at the time. Let's sign her. Let's put her That's in That's what something. I saw it as, yeah. It wasn't. 
She's from what I remember, she didn't do much of anything. It was kind of like the uh, the the Finn things. Like Finn just walked in the Star Wars new trilogy, in Star Wars. He just kind of like walks around and shows up and like screams a little bit and then just doesn't do anything. It's a waste of a fine actor. Really, that's what I thought. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. Millie Bobby Brown in the Shakespeare thing on Netflix with Henry Cavill. Dylan means Sherlock Holmes, not Shakespeare. Oh, uh, Enola Holmes too. Yeah, or one. No, the first one. I never saw the second one. I meant to watch it. But yeah, I right. love I love Henry Cavill, so I didn't see it. Yeah, I I kind of like him, but I obviously since the first Stranger Things season, I got enraptured in her ability as a child actor to to hold your attention and. And I won't say it was exactly like that Kihai Kwan magic when he was a kid. Yeah. But it, it entertained me. So, of course, I would love to see her in anything. But it was one of those situations where the script didn't serve. Yeah. You know, was, she was a star for sure. And she's got talent for sure. But the vehicle is not uh, performing well with the driver type of situation. Yeah. So, back to Godzilla. This situation was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was something else. I don't even know what to say. I had no words walking out of that movie. Because it was just so amazing. I'd never seen anything like a kaiju movie like that. It had touches of classic Japanese Godzilla movies where, like, the old scientist has this wacky-ass idea that should not work in any reality, and then, like, it does. And I just like the whole, the whole, like, tone of the movie. I thought it was both fun, devastating whenever Godzilla shows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in, in the mad scientist idea, I, I thought this was perfectly well portrayed, and it shows you the difference how writing and dialogue for your characters and your actors make a difference. Because we talked about the two idiots who are in the Pacific Rim movies. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, the drivers? Well, no, or the two the, mad scientists. Oh, the guy that has, like, visions or whatever, and he goes to, like, Ron Perlman to, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the first Pacific Rim is kind of a gem, too. I mean, I like that one. No, I really, I, weird. I really like the first Pacific Rim. I think that's a Del Toro movie. The scientists in that movie, they don't, they're not the greatest. I, it's, once again, it's like a writing problem. Whenever those scenes come up in the movie, you're not like, oh, how are they going to deal with these massive ass monsters? They're kind of like, let's get to the next monster fight. But in, in Godzilla minus one, I was, I want to know how they're going to defeat this monster. You right. Know? It was the practical application of what can we feasibly do in yeah, order as to a conquer, citizen body. As a, as a citizen body to to conquer this this thing that we have no control over, which of course is a metaphor for their war against America, against atomic weapons in general, against Japan's place in the war. So I, I like all of those, those cultural metaphors, but it, it really, that sort of practicality when you, when you create something that's kind of wild and otherworldly for a Hollywood movie, you put your, you, you are putting something on screen in which there are people in the audience that go, come on, this is, this is make believe or this is not real or I'm, I'm not buying this. And it can be it can be very real in a sense. Like if you take, for example, Atomic Blonde, which is a movie we both love. Yeah, Charlize Theron is like a bucko five soaking wet. Like she is a she is a model from South Africa. That's it. But in that film, the fight scenes are choreographed with people who are two and three times heavier than her. And there's there's no way, uh, pound for pound, she can compete with that type of muscle. So that was how they constructed the fight scenes, which was, in reality, how can a woman of 105, 110 pounds take on consecutively uh, many men who are 230 or, or so or 250 and most of them muscle and have these very realistically coordinated fight scenes, which are not about her overpowering them, but outsmarting them during the fight and using her natural skills. 
that same sort of thought process seems to be in, into Godzilla, which is, okay, we're not going to bring out ray guns. We're not going to bring out a Dusex Machina. We're not going to bring out some wonder weapon. We're not going to spend 45 minutes talking about something secret and bring it out in the last five minutes. This was a, a real struggle to practically figure out how exactly are we going to defeat this monster? And then using things that were around uh, even at that time period. And I didn't think any of it was, now we're talking about a kaiju in the middle of the ocean, but I didn't think that any of it was extraordinary. Like a, a sea mine is not extraordinary. No, it's something that breaks the established rules of the universe type beat. I know. Right, yeah. exactly. So I thought that was very well planned out and very smart. Oh, I completely agree. Once again, it goes back to the science. Like, how do we, the scientist scenes, like, how do we figure this out? And there's, like, a bunch of people that, like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And, like, half of them walk out of the building, like, when he proposes this crazy-ass plan. Everything goes wrong, really. Like, they get caught off guard. They come, she, Godzilla shows up early. The ships can't, de like, depart fast enough. And then little plane, the the weird-looking plane that oh, uh, yeah. the main character uses, that has to be, like changed up and repaired from this dude and, and i thought it was like everything that could have gone wrong almost did and that's what i kind of i kind of like those movies because it's like how will they figure this out and how are they going to defeat godzilla i like i really liked all of that but everything was real and everything was textile and yeah. everything you could put your hand on and I, I was really moved by the human drama with the family and i go uh, yeah and, sort of i mean yeah, sort of when i see godzilla on the on the poster i'm coming for like monster fights you know what I well mean? for sure but the you know but this is a, in this movie it's done well you know it's not it's not a snooze fest like some other other movies have the more recent universal not universal i don't, I don't know what company makes them but like the the godzilla universe movies mm -hmm. like the marvel I think, ones. I think those are, i think those are universal universal ones, yeah. okay so it's not like those where like the human drama is like really boring and they like it's only there for them to like ex like expository like what we're going to do next I don't care for that. But in this movie, it's done really well. I like the, all the characters I thought were pretty pretty good. And then, and it goes into um, the characters' motivations and the history, too. So there's, that is very um, important in the plot. It's like the main character and what he does in the movie and how it ends is very... It could only happen in that time period, in that place. Right, because so. he, he had a particular set of skills, as we say. <laughs> yes. And, and when we ever we talk about Liam Neeson. So... The, when you when you mentioned the history of it, like I very quickly after the the opening scene, battle scene, there's about 20, 30 minutes of a human drama that plays out in what is left of Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo looks horrible in this. It looks it looks like the most third of the third world countries. It's like shabby town. I'm sure that's how it was. It looked horrible. And that was the point. Yeah. So and I, I don't know how many Americans are aware that we carpet bombed Tokyo and firebombed it using incendiary bomb. We killed tens of thousands of Japanese civilians in in the effort to win that war. And uh, I don't know how much of that can be justified morally. And I know that the the Japanese absolutely went through a living hell. And it was it was refreshing to see that kind of honesty on film. First of all, and it was refreshing to see an honesty in American populace who didn't, in this day and age, protest it or take to Twitter or do some stupid reel on Instagram. And instead, they went and they went and saw this movie for themselves. There seems not to be a reaction. You know how people are in this. Yeah, it's again. it's kind of a most of the time I see them when films come out, and it's always like the most minute details that are getting scrutinized for no reason. 
So it was kind of... I, this film almost felt like it came out in a vacuum, and then everyone saw it and just came out of that and was like, oh, this is like actually a fantastic movie. And then nothing came out of it that was even remotely controversial. It was just a great film. Well, maybe it's one of those situations where it's so long ago. I mean, the war ended 80 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it could, it could be that. But once again, I mean, you can... You can have films that have controversy that aren't set in the modern day. Oh, yeah. So. Like the was the one that Emma, that actress that you like from La La Land. Oh, Emma Stone? Emma Stone. She did one uh, called The Favorite a couple of years ago. People got all pissed off about. I don't remember what the controversy about it was, though. So the, so the kaiju <clears throat> and the mines, and of course, you know, who's putting all these mines in the waters around Japan? America is putting all these mines. It's sort of very strange to think that America is contributing to the destruction of Godzilla by leaving these mines in the, in the water. But the, so what did you think about the CGI particularly when Godzilla shows up? I don't care. It was amazing. And anyone says like otherwise is like kind of tripping. This movie was made for like $15 million or like 20. That is it. This has better CGI than most superhero movies right now. Like, the last time CGI was, like, truly amazing was, like, 2007, all right? Like, when Davy Jones was, like, walking around. You know what I mean? And, like, the last CGI villain that we had that was amazing was, like, Thanos, like, five years ago. That was amazing. And then this, it's not a CGI, like, monster fest. You know what I mean? When I say monster fest, it's like, I'm talking about the DCEU mainly. And now the MCU, kind of, when they're villains and, like, all their sets and everything is just CGI. It's a blob, really. Like, Steppenwolf and, like, in, um... Oh, that like, was horrible. That's a CGI monster right there. Like, that... Like, that... In, when you look at... I don't know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at that person. You know what I mean? It just... It is a blob of CGI. So, but in this, Godzilla not only looks spectacular, but the shit he's doing looks amazing. Like, the buildings he's wrecking, all of it looks fantastic. The, there are several of those destruction scenes. Of Tokyo. When, it's just, when, oh my god, yeah, like, look away, it's so crazy. Yeah, and it, that looked, and I'm not exaggerating, to me, that looked better than the destruction of Metropolis in Batman v Superman. Oh, 100%. Or no, the end of easy. Man of Steel. Yeah, no, no, 100%. It's, it looks, this, the destruction in this movie looks better than, like, any other destruction destruction I've seen in a, in a movie recently I, that I can think of. And, it was done very well, too. Like in 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 the in the other Godzilla movies, like the more recent ones in the in the MonsterVerse or whatever, they um like in the end fight scene of the most recent King of King of Monsters, it's like Godzilla Kong and like Mecha Godzilla, and they're in Tokyo or something, some Japanese city, and they're like destroying buildings, right? And it doesn't have any weight to it whatsoever. It just doesn't matter at all it's just like a backdrop but like when godzilla shows up in this movie like you're like oh my god this is horrible you know what i mean instead of contrast to that it's like oh fun monster fight but in this movie it has weight to it you know what i'm saying yeah it there is a tendency actually because the godzilla movies got so popular in in, in the late 50s and the 60s you know particularly when they started using color you know, we're putting a man in a rubber suit, of course, but it, yeah. it, it began to take on the fantastic. It began to kind of be, look kind of stupid. Yes, right? some of them in like the 70s and 80s look horrible. It, yeah, they look pretty bad. It's obviously a man in a in a costume uh, walking around a set that's a miniature. So, uh, Godzilla 1985 is pretty bad. That's when one that Raymond Burr returned to, and then. The one in the late 90s, 
Godzilla 2000 or the one that I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. It was Matthew Broderick and Hank Azaria. Is Matthew Broderick in that? Matthew Broderick really? is the star of that film, my friend. Is it fantastic? It's fucking horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, the the only thing that was notable about that was it had a really good soundtrack with yeah. with Noel Gallagher's first solo single. Really? Yes. Wow. I I'm, I'm not going to watch the movie for it, but I'm glad he was on the movie, I guess. Yeah. So somehow he's on the soundtrack to the movie. Anyway, that that was that was horrible. And did you see Cloverfield? No, I didn't see. I didn't see the, all the Cloverfield movies. I, there's like a couple in the universe, right? Well, I, there's two that I know of. The first one, of course, is just Cloverfield, and there's another one the called Ten, Ten Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Lane. Yeah. I saw the first 20 minutes of that, and I, I definitely want to finish it because it's John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah, from yeah. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Versus she's in that. Yeah, okay. she's in that. So, and, and she's really good. Really good actress, so uh, I've got to finish it at some point. But the first Cloverfield, I didn't like because it it is that is the the apex of shaky cam. Oh, shaky cams in yeah. it a lot. Yeah, they mess around with the stereo Damn. and everything. That's that's tough. Yeah, it's, it's not. And there's always a turnoff for movies. I didn't particularly like it. I found it like I I liked I enjoyed the the journey and what they were trying to do, but just the the presentation. Yeah, just, yeah, it wasn't there. Right, and definitely not rewatchable. So what other kaijus stand out in your head? Oh, what was that one with um, Anne Hathaway? You don't remember anything last night, huh? I got really melodramatic, didn't I? Told me that you weren't really on a vacation. That you've been looking for a job for a year and your boyfriend didn't work out. You are out of control. What? I've packed two things. They're in the bedroom. What? And since you didn't have any money, you decided to move back here. Is there anything else? Don't remember anything. The unprecedented nature of this Let's get that tangle. You know you're watching something that's going to change the course of history. You all right? Yeah. Uh, it's this nervous tick I have. I get this itch. Oh my god. They appeared. Same place. Exact same place. But it just made a bunch of weird hand gestures. Sure, you got something. It's dancing. It's dancing like. <laughs> Holy shit! Ow! What was that? What was that? A helicopter. With the, with like the pilot and everything. I feel terrible. Give him a good show. She's the monster. Colossal. Colossal. That was a great one. I really like Colossal. That's one that comes to mind. And then, of course, Pacific Rim. The first Pacific Rim is just... That's kind of... um. That's also a... I wouldn't say it's a gem because it's the wrong word. Because uh, everyone knows about it. But there's like flaws with that movie. But they're easily overlooked because of how awesome that movie is. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the first one was definitely an experience to to uh, go to the theater with because there hadn't been like a kaiju movie in a while, and that was that was like a one year before the Godzilla reboot came out. I think so. That was like 2013 or something. So that it was really cool to see like oh we get another big ass monster movie to to watch. That's when I 
That's why I like it so much. And it's right about the time that uh, Idris Elba starts getting some credit. In yeah, Idris Elba is awesome, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, people outside of Britain see him for the first time. Yeah. Which is a crime, but that's just how it happened. Uh, and who, I can't remember who else was in it. But there are other things going on in Pacific Rim that were just sort of obvious to me. There's three Chinese triplets. Yeah, and they're, in, yeah, that was cool. So they have to they have to sync their brainwaves at yeah, the same time. Yeah, that was awesome. In order to maintain this. Yeah, the massive mech? That was right. so dope. Yeah, the the larger mech, the the Jaeger is what they yeah. were called, right? Hunters in Germany. Yeah. And and so of course they're they're making a statement there about the modern state of China doing things in a communist collective way. Yeah, okay. I think you're three. reaching a little bit, <laughs> but that was just cool. I think you're reaching on that just a little bit. It's too much analysis. I think it is. I, I'm seeing this a big monster movie, you know, like a like come on, like when the when the ma- when the main Jaeger comes out and he's like holding a ship and he's using it as a baseball bat, like I'm freaking out in the theater. That was so cool. Like there hasn't been a really good uh, kaiju movie since uh, Pacific Rim or the and, one with Anne Hathaway. And again, good CGI. Yo, that one had a great CGI. It had that awesome opening in in the battle off the shore of Alaska. Yeah, when they when the. Uh... The mech comes back in. The Jaeger comes was back it? in and puts his hand on the shore. Was that in Alaska? Yeah, I think it was on the shores of Alaska. But all I know is that movie was Heat. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other um, monster uh, kaiju movies that uh, that are not like Godzilla or uh, yeah. Well, Pacific Rim too, which which has the sequel was, Finn it in it. Um, I can't remember John Boyega. John Boyega. He's yeah. He's a good actor. He, I like him a lot. But most of his films like, are wasted. Yeah, he's, uh, the writing isn't the best, and I was really hyped for Pacific Rim too. And then that came out, and it was just so underwhelming. Like everything that the first movie did, it just wasn't there. Like the vibe was not there, and the direction was not. Did did tell um, Del Toro direct that one too, or no? No. That well, that's probably why. The, yeah. That's why I didn't feel as great. As I think cool. he was doing Gravity after. After that, that, that was, was no, no, it wasn't around the same time. Pacific Rim Two came out like in 2018 or something. I thought. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Unless I'm tripping and like I don't have any sense no, of time. I'm not gonna pull up IMDb right now. Yeah. Okay, so back to Godzilla. There was so how much did the Flash cost? Like 200 million dollars, and the CGI was so bad in that movie. And like people were kind of de- trying to defend it, especially like the like the director. I think it was. Like, some, like, in-universe explanation is like, well, he's in Flash time. Of course it's not going to look... I don't care. Like, it looks like really bad wax figures. That's that's what it looked like. And it, if that you're going to spend $200 million on a movie, make sure that, that shit looks good. And in, in Godzilla, it looks crisp. Like, it looks amazing in Godzilla. And, you know, that's what we're missing right now is, like, good CGI. Um, this is the movie most recently that has outclassed Marvel and CGI. Well, I was going to bring up the several shots they had of Godzilla's head in the water. Oh as, yeah, <laughs> as he's swimming. Yeah, and there were several times where it looked like a dog, but there was so much detail to it. Yeah, it's so. There's also like a couple weird shots of him in the in the film, like one like like you said, his head in the water, like swimming or whatever. And then there's another one of him on land, and like when he moves, his arms are like out. Like, and he'll just, like, walk like a robot, okay? So I know there's going to be some criticism there, but, um, once again, I do not care. Um, I would be complaining about it if the movie wasn't good. I can overlook something like that if the CGI looks that good. You know what I mean? Mm. It it looks very believable. So, 
and like when he's like actually moving and like doing like destruction and stuff when he's not just like walking like just normally walking then the cgi still looks amazing when he's like moving his tail around or he's doing like the god beam like it looks great so um oh the the, the heat ray the heat ray was crazy holy like, shit that has some weight in this movie that is missing in, in the in the gods of monsters movie like i remember the last time that the heat ray hit was in like 2014 when he like ripped mm. open that that moss mouth and like god beamed it down the down his throat that was crazy but in this movie, it all, it's almost better because, like, the shockwave in this film is crazy. You almost feel it. It's so crazy. I do remember several times during the movie, and the first time he, he started the heat wave, it was like... like it was like a build-up, too. It, it wasn't was. instant. It was like, oh, shit, this is about to go down. And then, like, it happens, and, like, your eyes get feel like they're going to get singed because the, the explosion goes off, and it, like, levels the city. It's wild. <laughs> it's not like this small, like, little... Like Ray in the in the other Godzilla movies, like this this shit will destroy a city. Yeah, so fins light up again. Hmm? This fins it's light fin up. Oh yeah, right, right before he hits it. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So I like to see. I thought the CGI was really really exceptional in this movie, and the best I've seen in a while. How did you feel about the the sinking part of it? As far as them the strapping to yeah the plan of to sink him down into lower depths. Well, I'm not a scientist. Um, I'm not a physicist either. So um, I'm a I'm going to take his, his trust on this. Uh, um, I mean, like, how many ways can you think of destroying Godzilla with no military support? You know what I mean? Mm. There's only one way to do it, and if pressure is the way, then I'm... Go ahead. Well, and, and He explained and, it really well. It did, and in 1945, there's not a whole lot of firepower to do something like that, which was kind of the point. The, the sinking, to me, was, was less effective than, than the rising, because the rising was just Jaws. It was just, let's hit him with some red, yellow barrels, and we'll bring him to the surface. So I totally bought that. I was like, okay, that, well, that's how, how you actually bring up whales and sharks and dolphins and things. I was going to, he was explaining the plan, I was like, well, isn't he a reptilian? Like, can he just, like, go underneath and, like, survive the pressure? But then if you go fast, then wouldn't that just, like, be Good. worse? So, well, like, I'm, I'm taking his trust-me-bro logic on that, you know what I mean? Yeah, the decompression the decompression the gas in your, in your the system. The you decompression, get, So, you like, get yeah. The bends, yeah. what it's called, yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense to your average moviegoer, I guess, so I believed it. Again, we're talking about kaijus here, so we yeah, need we're to keep about, in. I mean, yeah, but it's in the world, so. And then he ri rises him back up, which what, I knew was going to happen. It wasn't going to, like, be that easy. Come on. What did you think about the ending in the hospital? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm still on the fence about that because, like, the death was so crazy powerful in the, when Godzilla showed up in uh, that city. I forgot. Was Gian Genosa or whatever? Uh, yeah, I think... No, I think it was Jinji. Jinji? Yeah, but I, but it's a suburb of Tokyo. It's, like, right... Suburb's probably too strong of a word. It's a town around that, that coast. I don't know because I thought that that death really pushed forward the the reason to kill Godzilla even more. And, like, his reasoning for doing what he does later on in the main character, what he does later in the film. And I, I thought it was really, really compelling. So I don't know how I feel about the, the I wouldn't call it a cop-out, but it's a little bit of a, like, a, really, she's alive? Like, in no world did I think she would have survived that, that blast. Like, she went flying. I was like, maybe she would have, and then, like, the, the air comes back the other way. I was like, I was certain she was not alive. It's like Expendables 4. I thought he was dead. <laughs> Expendables 4. <laughs> yeah, that movie was not great. But I thought he was dead. How do you feel about it? 
Well, I don't like taking away the sacrifice. I don't, yeah, I don't like. Um, I don't like when movies do that. Really, yeah. Like, it it would have been. It feels like kind of wrong. That's why I'm kind of fearful for like the later MCU. I swear to God, if they bring back Iron Man, bro, I'm not watching it. It just lessens the impact of like the finale of that movie, and I don't. I don't really like that. No, I agree. That's always the. That's always the fear when you have sequels. Is that you're going to lessen the impact of the first one. Yeah, but you can do sequels very well. Can do, like, Resurrections really well. Deaths, like, coming back. You can do it, but it's, like, really hard. Well, I think it was unnecessary in this case. They didn't yeah. need to bring her back. They they closed the story. Uh, unless unless it's, like, you. they wanted to have, like, a like a happy ending for this kid. But once again, I mean, it's a Godzilla movie. Not everyone's going to get a happy ending. And, like, I thought it was really, really, it really worked for the for the film and the story that she died. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I could have I could have done without it, honestly. How many stars out of five would you give it? Four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Uh, the only reason I, I don't give it that last half star is because of that ending. And there is it doesn't take a little bit of time in between the first uh, sequence and when Godzilla shows up again in Tokyo. That little stretch of like 20 minutes or 20, 30 minutes of like storytelling. You could have done something. Actually, I don't know. But that's the only reason I don't give it five stars. I give it four and a half. Easy. Because that is definitely worth a watch, and if you want to watch big um, a big monster movie, then this is the one to go. It just kind of reminded reminded me of the end of the Magnificent Ambersons, that which also ended in a hospital, and everything's going to be fine, and then credits. Just, Some so. movies can do that. Some movies can have the the happy ending, like everyone has a happy ending, but some some can't. And you know, Godzilla, this one I thought shouldn't have had like the perfect happy ending, you know. You know, some movies can, some movies can't. I thought it was a great commentary on trauma. Just yeah. every everyone in the film had trauma. They were trying to deal with it. No, it's the Second World War, yeah. and uh, which also was a great element in the film that li- was uh, central to the plot too. So I thought it was done really well. To to wrap up, uh, we saw Die Hard for the 35th anniversary last night on the big screen. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? And New York cop John McLean has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. There is brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, damn it, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Hey, Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> John. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, are you selling a board of pizza? He's inside? Who is he? Who are you then? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, mother. Just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. I got some bad news for you. From up here, that looks like you're in charge.
Sergeant Jack. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen this squad from anybody down Hey, pal, how you feeling? No thing beating, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Yeah, so we saw it twice now in the basement. You remembered like three, four years ago, or maybe five years ago for the thirtieth, we saw it on yeah, on, I think on so. the big screen. Yeah. So this is your second time seeing it on the big screen. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, I don't. There's nothing that has hasn't been said about Die Hard already. I mean, it's it's basically perfect. I mean, I love that movie. It's like one of like the staple action movies of the eighties. I don't think that I would I would change anything in the film. And one of the things that I yeah, found yeah. I found really really punching through for me last night was it look it still looks modern. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean other than the touchscreen, it looks pretty modern. <laughs> well, I remember seeing it in the theater in 1988 and, and that touchscreen was wild. Like everybody in the audience was like, holy shit, you touched a screen and made a computer do something. That was crazy. Now, mind you, this is seven years before windows 95 comes yeah. out, which is the, the operating system. Everybody's, based on now i don't uh now that when you say uh, pretty modern I'm, i just keep thinking of like west german terrorists uh, that's not that's well, pretty dated that's <laughs> not modern at all like, no what was their group's name the uh, uh volksfry volksfry yeah <laughs> like i don't think people really understand what west german terrorists are this very specific uh subsection of history yeah well that's that's true so in in essence it's dating itself because it's putting it into the middle of the cold war yeah Right, because the, the only reason why there's a West Germany is because there's a Cold War. So that's that's true. But, you know, I mean, there was, you know, obviously no cell phones, but they were using yeah, CDs. cocaine. Yeah, I think it's pretty dated, too, <laughs> in the office. And the Rolex being the symbol of, you know, he's yeah. she's ditching the Rolex and ditching Ellis. Interesting. She doesn't, Ellis does not seem like uh, her type, Holly's type, but that's just. Booby. I'm your white knight. That was, I always loved that well, part. What was your favorite line? My favorite, um, I don't there know. Were, there... I, I like whenever Ellis shows up, because he has, like, he's such an asshole, like, all the time. I like the whole, the whole scene where he's, I can give him to you. Like, he's so cocky. I, I like that whole scene. Like, You're so perceptive. And, like, Gruber just, like, you nailed it right on the head. You're so smart. Yeah. You figured all this him out talk. on your own. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be my favorite line. Is that that whole sequence is sequence is my favorite part of the movie. It might be the dialogue it's, in it. Is the so dialogue weird. is so good in that movie. It's there's not a single thing I would change or like cut out of that movie. It's just so well put together. There are a few things in it that I notated that I still really find interesting. No one had really seen a Steyer Og before. And really? Yes. No one had seen one. Not not in not in film. They're not. They're an Austrian-made assault rifle. So they're basically. I mean, for time the, it was a niche. At, niche at the time, it was a niche. It was small. It was it was a foreign arm that you really couldn't buy in the United States because we had the assault weapons ban at the time, and it was just not around. And because of it, 
because of the the way that it looks where the magazine is in the stock behind the the trigger guard and the handle the pistol grip it just it just seems like a like a space sci-fi type of weapon right it does look a bit goofy i mean but once again like what do you count as uh traditional firearm making Hans is using a, a Walter. Walter. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody carries, even today, people don't carry Walters. That's just. Well, I think people know what Walters are. They are now because of James Bond. Yeah. And, you know, but nobody knew what the, knew what a Steyr was. I guarantee yeah, you. They okay. didn't know what a Steyr was, didn't know what Aug was. Hmm. So, and so there was that. People there, in the theater are like, what is that? When Carl comes down and like he's going through the hallways with the with the all he's like what, well what they recognized it as a machine gun like that a gun. everyone was like, like that is that? the weirdest looking yeah. machine gun that i've That's that i've ever seen yeah that yeah. definitely stood out okay. there's a lot in die hard that stands out the electromagnetic lock you know the cat and mouse game that they're, yeah. they're playing with the cops how every every time hans speaks or rather every other time hans has something to say it alludes to something that's going to happen in the future you know, like the police show up. Well, this was inevitable. You know, I give you. Yeah, the it, that's also the birth of like the the trope of the villain knowing absolutely everything without it feeling earned. You know what I mean? Because there's some villains in cinema that are just like, yes, I w- intended to be caught and sent to prison, and I'll have an elaborate escape attempt to go and get at. Like with Hans, it feels like that's the point of them being there entirely. You know what I mean? Like that's it's so i think his character does that so well that it does it works in this movie and sometimes it doesn't work in any other any other ones too the only thing that only criticism i have about that particular part of the film is you mean to tell me that theo got into this van and went into this heist not knowing how hans was going to open the last lock in the safe hey uh i got a limited liability like trust plausible deniability you know some movies have it where they don't tell like the the people everything like in uh it's just like you know some heist movies they don't tell the their underlings the whole the whole plan but i i guess i do know what you mean but he 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 brought him to like open the door and lock people out mm. you know what i mean it's a need to know basis yeah and then to drill the locks open yeah so i mean he did his job i really i really enjoyed it and i i think that bruce willis has a, actually a really fine performance that a lot of people aren't going to recognize because of the genre where he just very slowly over the film just begins to get more tired and more desperate and more, more exhausted. Yeah, you don't really see um, like great performances in action movies, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think this is a great one. I mean, you do have them, and this is well, this is like top tier. I mean, great, great comedic timing. Yeah, and you see him like, like really react to um, what was uh, Gennaro's boss? What was what was his name? Takagi. Takagi. Like he really like reacts to him being like killed. You know, like, somewhere like Stallone or Arnold, they wouldn't, like, react. You know, they just, like, look over and, like, oh, that's tough. Some dude got shot in the face. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Right, right. And, but, like, Bruce Willis, like, is like, oh, my God. And, like, and he starts freaking out, and he's getting out of there. So that's pretty unique, I think, for an action movie. But, yeah, like you said, great comedic timing. Yeah, great music. Yeah, I, I mean, other than the Christmas music. But once again, it's a Christmas movie. So. Yeah, but Ode to Joy. I mean, that's a fantastic. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, a you, bit overrated. You didn't like the Christmas music? No, nah, not for me. Oh, okay. I know but, it's a Christmas movie, so I gotta, I gotta. So is Lethal Weapon. Is that a Christmas movie? No, Lethal Weapon opens with. I know what it opens with. A Christmas song. No, okay. First off, I think the criteria for a Christmas movie is if you take Christmas out of the movie, could it still happen? And Die Hard cannot happen. 
No, because the entire reason why is it because it's is, Christmas. They're yeah, they're hijacking a party because the the building is yep is almost isolated, empty and right. there's people there that they can hold hostages and mm-hmm. Tagagi is there. No one's going to miss those people until later in the night. Yes. So I don't think you can do that with lethal weapon. You can take Christmas out of lethal weapon. It's fine. I got to think about that because I think there's a there's a lot going on at the end of lethal weapon in terms of a gift, the gift of life and the gift of love and the gift of family and so forth. Yeah. But you do that with Valentine's day. Well, Joshua drives a car through Murtaugh's house and runs over the Christmas tree. And then he screams at the TV when he shoots, it's goddamn Christmas. I mean, it's just... Yeah, but you can still take that out and have the entire plot of the movie. Possibly. Possibly. I have to think about that anyway. Well, thank you so much for coming by and, and talking about movies with me. It's kind of, kind of a mixed bag here with, uh, Godzilla. Yeah, I hope you edit that into two separate... Uh, Minus one. And, uh, no, it's only about five minutes on Die Hard. We're good. Ten. Um, it's like ten minutes on Die Hard. We'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, all right. All right. Your show. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, I'll see you. Thanks for listening to me and Luke Wax Intellectual about Godzilla Minus One. I'm Dylan Davis, and you can find me, my books, and my blog at www.thatdylandavis.com. I'm also on Litterboxd and Threads. All music by Rosalind McPhail. I'll see you next time as we look back at the year in review.
Sonnenliegen durch des Himmels prächtigen Plan. Kaufet 